cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a chat with another pet professional about how they've used their expertise to navigate the relationships between their clients, cats, and dogs, as well as their own pets. So let's get started. Our guest today is Caroline Mattioli, like ravioli, and I'm so excited for them to be on the show. Thank you for coming. This is really wonderful. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and honored to be here. I hope people get some good information from this today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And I'm going to take a little bit of time to introduce you and your history. And then we will play our favorite game, our favorite icebreaker, Two Truths and a Lie, which I know everyone secretly wants to kill me for, but I freaking love it. So they're going to be <laughs> Caroline got into the animal world at 16 by volunteering at the Houston SPCA and worked there over the summers as an adoptions counselor. She interned at the Wildlife Center of Texas, where she worked on rehabilitating injured owls, hawks, ducklings, and other native species because you're super cool. Caroline then completed Bachelor's of Science degree in Animal Science and Industry, followed by a six-month dolphin training internship, which is by far what kickstarted her animal training career and passion. She then acquired her KPA, CTP, Karen Pryor Academy Certified Training Partner title, along with her dog, Onyx, who we will talk about later. And currently she works at Believe in Dog Training in Houston, Texas, and they specialize in puppy training as well as reactivity and general behavior modification. It has been a wild and fun ride, she says, of learning every day. So let's delve into some of those exciting pieces of history. You talk, you've worked with a lot of different species yes. at a very kind of varied, very varied Come on, Naomi. You've done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff which is cool. This years, yes. It's good to come with a lot of different viewpoints on things. Oh, yeah. So we're going to talk a lot about your pets. You have one cat and two dogs. That's right. But before we dive into that, we need to know even more about you as a human. So tell me two truths and a lie about yourself. I'm going to try to guess the lie and hopefully not sound like a total idiot as I work through some of the logic. Are you ready? All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. These are kind of, they're pretty um, intense, I would say. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Great. Let's do it. Okay. So two truths and a lie. Let me know if you want me to repeat any. Okay. So one, I've been chased by an alligator. <laughs> two, I've gotten LASIK eye surgery two times. Three, I almost drowned in the deep oceans of Panama because of a current. Mm-hmm. Intense, right? I like those. I like those a lot. Okay, so I also got LASIK, so that's fun. But okay. I didn't have to do it twice. Okay. You're relatively young, so that would be... Well, maybe they fucked it up. Let's see. Uh... <laughs> I'll let you problem solve. Yeah, yeah. Chased by an alligator. They can be very fast. Uh, it would be weird. It, well, there's possible to drown... When there's no current. Okay, I'm just going to go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I want to hear about the LASIK. So, <laughs> all right. So, I'm going to say that the LASIK twice is a lie. LASIK twice is a lie. Incorrect. Damn it. 
Dang it. I did get it twice. Uh, my dad is a LASIK eye surgeon <laughs> here <laughs> in Houston. And I actually fucked it up because I didn't keep going with my plan. I didn't use my eye drops very well. And so I was very lazy about it. And so I had to do it again. <laughs> get a modification of my eye. Uh, well, uh, I just uh. But yep, that was all me. All my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so which was the lie? The lie. I've been chased by an alligator. What have you been chased by? Ooh. (laughs) Ooh, one time a duck, which was terrifying. They can be mean. He was huge. He was not happy. Yep. And he said, get out of here. And so I just started running away. That was actually really scary. The drowning in Panama was real. I'm glad you made it out okay. Oh, me too. Yes. I had a bunch of seashells. I dropped them all. Just kept trying to swim. It was... (laughs) It was chaos, but it was okay. The boat came through, but it was a time. Yeah, it was a time. So those are my two truths in a line. Fascinating. And it's the shoemaker's kids go barefoot kind of thing uh, Mm -hmm. with the LASIK. It's funny because I say this with trainers all the time is like, we are so focused on helping other people's animals that ours are sometimes not the best behaved um i would say don't look at a trainer's animals sometimes yeah yeah Yeah. especially because we're supposed to be like coaching the humans too so like there's a whole skill set that's fairly unrelated but there's other one other thing is that we tend to take on the animals that are already kind of a little screwy so oh yes my friends always joke and they say why do you always get these kinds of animals (laughs) and i'm like need me. They need me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Lucky to have them though. Yeah. So excellent segue. Good job, me being an amazing interviewer. Tell me <laughs> about your current animals and maybe some past ones, the history of your multi-species household. Tell us a little bit about your three kids now and we'll sure. go from there. Sure. So Onyx, she, right now she's four and a half. I adopted her from the Houston SPCA when she was eight months old. And her history was she had two homes before me. Didn't seem possibly, I don't know any of the history about those homes, but when I adopted her and brought her home, she showed a lot of behavioral concerns. And that's probably why she got returned twice. I don't know what kind of training history was there, but there was a lot of negativity in her, lots of conflict between her and people. She loved people, but... Once it came time where she was starting to decompress a little bit, she was like, well, wait a minute. I'm a little bit unsure about you being here. Kind of just, she just didn't know. And so she had a lot of touch sensitivity. So if I tried to touch her, she would warning bite me and her teeth would actually touch skin. Uh, or she would scream, really, really high-pitched scream, very scared. If there were thing, little things like if my brother had his golf clubs out, she would run away. She'd be screaming, running away, you know, that kind of stuff. Same with like the little fire pit poker. You know, my mom would do that, poke the fire pit. She'd run, scream, you know. There's a lot of things going on. Big time leash reactivity uh, to other dogs on leash. And so like she would fly, you know, five feet in the air and slam her body on the floor. And at this time when I adopted her, I wasn't even a trainer yet. So I got her actually for the Karen Pryor program because I didn't have my own dog at the time. And of course you need one. So I was like, well, 
what about this girl here? You know, I knew really nothing um, about dogs at that time. I'd had dogs growing up, but you know, it doesn't really mean much. So, so this was a brand new thing. And then the resource guarding as well. She would guard kind of furniture or of course, bones and her food, things like that. So those typical kind of, she really had like all of the things. All of the things, okay. all of the things. Oh, and then big time anxiety, big time um, separation anxiety going on with her too. So it was a lot of just, I always think that it, she's just conflicted so much, you know, and she's had probably a bad history. And of course she got returned twice. Shelter life isn't fun. There's so much um, going on. But I knew when I adopted her, obviously I wasn't going to give her back. You know, I was like, whatever she's got, I'm taking her and we're going to work through it. We're going to do the program together and see what else we need to do after that. So that's how we started together. But after we did lots of training together, you know, of course, positive reinforcement and just teaching her different concepts of things, kind of teaching her the basics and tricks and all of that. She is an awesome partner now. She's great. She teaches me everything. You know, she's the best teacher that I can have. And I'm very thankful for her. You know, she's my, my partner in crime. We go on 40, 45 minute hour long decompression walks every day, spend time together. Do We do a lot of um, predation substitute training mm-hmm. by Simone Taylor. We do that a lot. She loves doing that. So yeah, she's a good one. And I would say social wise, kind of going into how I got Jack Mm -hmm. and me and that kind of thing. She was a very adaptive player. I would say she was adaptive to a lot of dogs growing up. You know, she would just adapt to their play styles and such, but as she got a little bit older, probably around two, two and a half, she started to become more selective about who she wanted to play with, which is normal, right? Totally normal. Fair enough. I'm like that. (laughs) So after that, she really only wanted a couple friends, which is also very normal. And so she had maybe three or four really good buddies that she would play with. And the thing with Jack, his history a little bit, he's a rescue from a hoarding situation as well. He's also from the SPCA, big hoarding situation. I forget how many animals there were, but Unfortunately, there's so many of those. He, I got it. I adopted him around eight weeks old. He's a cat, by the way. Yeah. He's a cat. Sorry. (laughs) Jack is a cat. Jack the cat. Yes. So I got him around eight weeks old and super friendly, very playful. And that's what I was looking for in a cat, which we can dive into later. But he's really great. He loves (laughs) life, doing all the cat things. He's a really good little guy. Very smart. Loves to train as well. He loves doing little tricks and things. Tiki little bit of her. I've only recently got her in March. So I haven't even had her for a very long time at all. It is currently May. Yes. And it's only May. So she, a client actually found her in his garage and he called us and he said, does anybody want this little chihuahua? What do I do? Fun fact, I had manifested this for two weeks. I was like in my head, I want a chihuahua so badly, but not now. I can't do it now. I just got Jack and, you know, still doing that with them. But It was just kind of this universe gave me this gift kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I had to take her. And she's great. She's awesome. We'll dive into her a little bit. She just finished puppy day school at Believe in Dog. (laughs) So a lot of fun training, socializing. And we did a class, a group class together there as well. So that's her so far, just her little history. I love it. So how long ago did Jack come home? Jack came home last August. So it hasn't even been a year yet. Okay, so you had like a relatively quick two additions for Onyx, who had been going through a lot of 
stuff before and it seems like you know you've gotten over the hump with that I mean I was impressed Mm -hmm. because I'm also a KPA and I remember I know what all of the you know well I don't know did you do KPA during COVID because that would have been a totally different thing like we would be all together with all of our dogs in an area so a reactive dog would be potentially difficult to right yes we did KPA um in 2019 Mm -hmm. or sorry yeah 2018-2019 and it was in a group setting so we would actually go and I would bring her surprisingly in there she was doing okay she we were I think the crate helped her a lot I was really trying to crate train her and get her comfortable in there Mm -hmm. um she felt kind of safe and I could block her view when we were in the room did you do it during COVID no no I was uh, 2016. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was also the same probably. Yeah. Yeah. My little guy is also leash reactive and he is not crate trained because he, (laughs) confinement is difficult for him because the theory is that (laughs) he got dropped off at the shelter in a duffel bag and the duffel bag was closed like overnight. Yeah. So any of my like confinement things have been very not successful so I had in everyone else had a crate a KPA and I had him in an x-pen and I would sit in the x-pen with him and I actually have a really pic I have a picture maybe I can post this later where I'd have to leave right and he'd just be sitting at the little x-pen like on his little mat being like are you coming back oh are you coming back back? because there's lots of dogs here Poor guy. Well, that's you know such a sport. That's an adaptive thing. That's good that you could do that. Yeah, yeah. Instead of a small confinement, that was probably traumatic. Yeah, Yeah, I can't imagine. I know it was such a mess. That's crazy. That's a story for another day. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you have these animals. Onyx is her own. You know, is on her own for a few years, Mm -hmm. and then Jack comes home. He's a little kitten, right? So what did you do to? make that transition as smooth as possible and how did it go yes so before i actually got him because onyx had pretty intense prey drive to small animals including cats on walks it was well i would say it was sometimes prey drive but also reactivity to cats on walks and so that's why i didn't get a cat for a while one reason but the other reason was because i was allergic growing up so i didn't get a cat, obviously. And I wasn't ever thinking of getting a cat. But what happened was I went to a friend's house. She had a kitten and I wasn't allergic anymore. Suddenly in my adult adult stage, I just grew out of it, I guess. And so I hung out with him a lot and I was like, oh my gosh, cats are really cool. Cats are badass, you know? And I was like, I just knew nothing because I wasn't allowed near them because my allergies. So I was really into it. And I was like, wow, maybe I can get a cat. But oh my gosh, I have an 80 pound German shepherd at home. (laughs) So how's that going to work? You know? So I talked to my friend, this cat that the kitten that she had, he lived with a dog. So he was being socialized with a dog as well. And he was doing great. So I made sure that was comfortable for the cat, right? Where he could coexist with another dog. I didn't want to just bring a big dog in and freak him out. So it was a perfect opportunity to see how would Onyx do living with a cat, you know, before I go out and adopt one and now I'm responsible, you know? Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of trial periods before getting Jack, probably for about three weeks, I would say, where we just, I would bring Onyx. We had the cat in another room, put the other dog away. And we would have their scents on clothes and stuff like that, where Onyx could smell the cat, cat could smell her. 
and then she would be allowed to go up to the door kind of sniff 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 and I would just watch her just kind of see what she would do how would she behave you know and she was very very interested of course right and so I just kind of took it as information she wasn't trying to bust through the door or she wasn't extremely highly aroused you know she was having a little bit of a hard time settling mm-hmm. at first because she didn't get to it she was frustrated but over time as I was just trying to positively pair where I had her in a different room I would just give her like beef jerky and cat food and t- tuna and like the super high value stuff you know and she's like, oh okay this is pretty great there's a cat over there but I get this stuff this is pretty great so after she was able to settle in that setting then we started to bring the cat into a crate and for safety for him and then have onyx on harness and leash as well while we did that we did a lot of engage disengage sessions and she was doing really well with that he was in the crate so he wasn't moving because i knew moving him moving and being mobile was going to be a factor into how she was going to react or behave so we did that for a few days she could settle lay on a hip totally cool disengaging I was like awesome I did let her actually go up to the crate and sniff it a little bit but as soon as the other cat he kind of was kissing he's like I'm a little scared of this then I would just move her immediately and he was like I don't know you dog you're not my brother (laughs) you're like who are you so I didn't want to do that for too long either because worrying about the cat's comfort Mm -hmm. so just a little bit of exposure short and sweet but then we started to progress to okay he's going to be moving She's going to be on a harness and leash and muzzle conditioned. Obviously she's muzzle conditioned. So I put a muzzle on her just for safety. Right. So they would, he had cat trees and stuff. So he could go up on there, kind of get away from her as a good management strategy and safety. So she could kind of smell him a little bit. She was actually surprisingly a little bit scared of him, you know? And so that's kind of the weird thing. You're you're off leash. I just would drag her leash. I wasn't holding it or anything. So there's no frustration from my end from her where if I was pulling back or anything. And so she's just totally on her own. And so she was kind of really hesitant, kind of doing this safety leg, head bob, kind of jumping uh-huh. back kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Once she realized she could kind of interact with him in a way. And that was very interesting to me. So she would give a little bit of growls more fearful, you know, than she was going to do anything. I'm a little unsure, growl, move back that. Um, But then we took the muzzle off once I felt it was comfortable for them. We did that for a few days. Um, And then she actually self-handicapped herself (laughs) to him, which was really awesome. She self-handicapped, they cuddled, they groomed each other. And I was just, I was really shocked at that. Mm -hmm. So then I figured, hey, you know what? It's okay for me to get a cat. I'm going to do this now. So got Jack and he, we just did the same thing as well in my own house, mm-hmm. same idea. And it worked beautifully for them doing that kind of just process. Um, we took it nice and slow. So I'm interested to hear how you worked through that unexpected, you know, stiffness forward, backward, forward, backward that she did when yes. she finally had access to or sort of access to the cat right how did it transition from that to snuggles okay that's big jumps (laughs) big jump it's a big jump and it was surprising so just from knowing her uh since i've you know i've had her for four years now she is skittish around kind of new things you know or things that just kind of figure like this kind of jump back and then i go back and forth so Mm -hmm. 
I, I just didn't figure her to do that with the cat, you know, um, cause she's pretty confident with other animals usually. So, but the reactivity on leash, I just started thinking about it and I was like, maybe she was scared of the cat, you know, instead, right. Instead of what are you doing? Prey drive all this, ah, I'm frustrated. Maybe it was fear. So in those moments, um, when she was showing that I did hold the leash, but I just kept it as loose as possible mm-hmm. just in case, you know, cause I was like, I don't want her to be so scared where she was going to intensify about it uh-huh. and go to him or something. So I just didn't know at that moment. So I held her leash very loosely. I just started to throw on really happy, fun talking to her where I was like, Hey, Onyx, it's okay. Good girl. Like that. Uh-huh. She usually takes well to that um, uh-huh. for me. So that did help her. She would kind of look back at me like, Oh, okay. All right. You're reassuring me. Everything is fine. That kind of thing. I did pet her a little bit. The touch sensitivity, um, as long as I don't touch her on her hips, she's okay. If I touch her on her neck right here, her chest, she's much better. So I was like, hey, all right, it's all right. Just very calm. Initially, I did start with the excitement. Hey, Onyx, it's all right. Like kind of happy, high pitched. And then I started to be calm. I was like, hey, okay, it's okay. You're good. And then that really helped her. And I did move her away. I started to add some distance at the same time of all of that. So just getting her more distance. And then when she was able to kind of, okay, that freaky thing over there, mom, what's up? Kind of looking at me again. I tried to ask her for a behavior, if she could do a down, if she could do a sit, you know, these basic kind of things just to kind of help her. Like, I got you. I'm over here. We're over here together. That cat is not coming over here. And I did tell my friend, hey, if he starts moving this way, just grab him, you know, because I don't want him to come closer. So had the friend on the same page of things. Uh So that helped a lot. And so we did that. That was the first session, the very first session of her with me initially dropping the leash, her being able to go up to him with a muzzle, that kind of thing. Actually, I did take the muzzle off when I did move her so I could feed her a little bit. And because that muzzle, it's a a bite proof muzzle. There's no holes in there Uh or anything. So I had to take that off. But then sessions after that, we maybe did like two more, two or three more of that. And probably by the third one, she was really chill. She was just like, Oh, there's a cat over there. Meh, whatever. And I was like, cool. All right. So that's when things really changed. And by the last session that we did, that's when she started to self handicap herself and really get interested in him. And it was very sweet. And I was like, wow. All right, this is good. So just time with it and doing those kinds of steps helped her a lot. So how did you move from preventing the cat from moving forward to allowing him free movement? Yes. So I wanted to use a barrier <laughs> initially. I wanted a um like a playpen or a pen of some sort just to kind of help with that. Mm-hmm. But when I was at my friend's house, it's just how she she's she didn't want to use one in her home that kind of thing. It was like, okay, I only have so much control, you know, of the situation. I used one in my house when I uh-huh. had Jack, but she just was kind of more, oh, let's just do it. Let's, and I was like, eh, okay. I mean, I'm going to hold her on leash. It's your house. You know what I mean? I really was like, I want to use it just in case he comes flying over, right. but I mean, she will have her muzzle on, but then I'm, you know, I might take it off, you know, this kind of thing. But she was really good about watching her cat and being right there. So, you know, I felt okay with it at the time, but now how I did it, you know, I the barrier. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, I'm taking time from your day. I know this is your cat. This is your house. You know, we can only do so much about what you say, you know, even Mm -hmm. though 
I do this for a living, but all right. (laughs) You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So, yeah. So once Onyx was like, oh, I'm just going to offer settle behavior kind of further away, then you, did you bring her closer or did you allow the cat to move towards her or both? I, so the cat, he mainly hung out on his cat tree Mm -hmm. or or on the couch. It was the cat tree or the the couch. I brought her closer. Mm -hmm. And if he, if the cat ever showed he was fearful or he didn't want it, or he was like, whoa, don't come near me, then I would move her away. So that was part of the process too, where I was watching him and kind of how he felt about her coming close because she is intimidating. (laughs) And so, so he does, this cat actually lives with 127 pound Anatolian Rottweiler Pyrenees. (laughs) So I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) He's he's a he's a he's a good guy. He's a big dude with a lot of those in him. That's a lot of feelings. It's an interesting mix. Yeah, yeah. it's an interesting mix. But he actually took to the he took to the cat extremely well. He mm. cuddled the cat day one. He was like, "This is now my cat," and <laughs> done. Yeah. So I was like, "All right, yep." So the cat was used to big big dogs, but not mm-hmm. not the herding dog vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very Pyrenees Anatolian vibe, you know, so um, very different. For people who don't know what that means, can you explain? (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, LGD is like what that tends to look like. Yeah, Anatolian Pyrenees, they're your livestock guardian dogs. They're generally more gentle and docile around livestock animals, small livestock animals, other livestock animals is what they're bred to do is to protect those animals, but they can, you know, turn on if they need to, to defend Mm -hmm. outsiders. Right. So a herding dog, they obviously herd. She's a German shepherd. And so she's really, really good at creeping, stalking and chasing and nipping, which, and, and really using those eyes big Mm -hmm. time. She uses her eyes a lot to really, and very forward intimidating body motion. So when a cat is used to one kind of dog, but then sees this other dog who kind of looks a little bit, whoa, what are you going to do to me? Very intimidating. Yeah. The cat feels a different way, of course. So, yeah. Especially in cat language, all of those things are very uh, aggressive signals. Yes. yes. <laughs> so yes, they are. they're kind of aggressive in dog too, but like the hard stare, especially with a crouch with a cat yeah. is like, oh, totally. it's all like Donkey Kong. What like, is happening right now? Yeah. 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 come at me bro or something yeah, yeah that kind of thing so very cool. scary for him at the beginning but he so I watched him very carefully yeah. she didn't ever she did hard stare um but she never went into the predatory sequence which was good great yeah so that was nice but the hard staring just mainly like <gasps> what is that over there you know that kind of thing um but for him yeah it was intimidating because his Pyrenees Anatolian brother doesn't do that to yeah. him Yeah, Yeah. I'm just thinking of some clients that I have who do like the hard stare. And then if there is a barrier, they'll like, (laughs) kind of like suction their face to the barrier and just like, they're like, hey, friend. Uh huh. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's up? Yeah, like that. Yes, yes. I was when I used a barrier with Jack, Onyx is barrier reactive Mm -hmm. as well, more so on a like a fence, Mm -hmm. right, rather than Mm -hmm. a leash. But with the cat, she actually did really, really well with the barrier. So I was also surprised about that. But it was just more for a safety kind of thing. So anyways, but yeah, I have seen that. It's always a trade-off, right? Like you're like, I need manage- physical management in place, especially if you're like one person working with multiple animals. Like you need that 
help yeah. <laughs> to make sure that they yeah. stay <laughs> safe. Yeah. But if you have the kind of, usually it's dogs, if you have the kind of dog who wants to move forward towards the cat for whatever reason, (laughs) and then they get frustrated by the fact that they can't do that, um, the barrier often does not help. Right. Yeah. Then it doesn't help. It kind of works against you a little bit. Yeah. But it helps the cat. Oh yeah. Helps the cat. Keep the cat away. Kitty cat. You can't come scaredly running through and doing a big zigzag pattern and trying to climb up on the walls. Right. You could climb up all the walls in the other room over there. Yeah. <laughs> not these walls. Yeah. The good news is that when you have a dog who's so forward, the desire is just to move forward. And the closer they get and they can't get to that animal, then they get the more, more frustrated. It plays into the training plan of you need to back up. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it does kind of make it very clear of like where that threshold is, right? Like where they can switch from being forwardly focused to actually being like, oh, right, there's a human who's like trying to interact with me and like, (laughs) you know, we're trying to do some training games or like do some enrichment or whatever. It's, it's often very clear, like when you've stepped that line. Oh, um, a little too close. A little too close. Yeah. Too close for comfort a little bit, but Hey, come on, come back to me. Come back to me. I'm right here. Exactly. You, you got stuck friend. I'm going to help you because you got you got stuff. Yeah, right. I always think of them like the pinwheel of death from the old Max, like over there. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. The rainbow. Oh, yes, um, actually. Thing. Yes, I do know what yeah. that's called. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, computing, 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 and they just, it just gets stuck and you have to just like shut it down and then reboot. Yeah. And start over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, I'll be like, chuck a bunch of food at their face. Mm-hmm. And see what yeah. <laughs> what happens. Um, what happens? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay. So Jack comes home. You do this same process. Everything is hunky dory because Jack is an adorable kitten, and kittens tend to be easier when they're trying to figure out like how to interact with the dog. Right. Sometimes they can be super annoying, but they tend to like grab the you know the the main gist of like the dog needs space or whatever did you find that with jack too was he annoying to onyx so that's a that's a good question so he initially the first week about the first week he was intimidated by her you know he's kind of like whoa what's that thing over there in his profile when i when i was looking for kitten um, he was kind of like the perfect one for us because he, although sad, he was from a hoarding situation. He had been around a lot of animals, mm-hmm. could have been good or bad, right? He was so young. Including dogs or just cats? I think dogs and cats. Yeah. But then he went to a foster home where they did have dogs and cats there. Um, those were her, the woman's own dogs. I never got to talk mm-hmm. to the foster, but that's just what it said in his profile. So, and it said he got along with all of them. So I was like, or, you know, coexisted at least. So I was like, okay, cool. And he was friendly and outgoing and pretty confident when I was interacting with him. And that's what I wanted. You know, I did meet a lot of cats who were very shy and hiding from me. And I was like, they're going to be really scared if they come to my house. <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> I mean? So, okay. So Jack was the perfect one. And yeah, he was nervous about the first week, but I just was like slow and steady wins the race. So, you know, let's try to make as many positive associations as we can. I got him some licky mats for him and would squeeze tube the, the puree chicken or wet food for him, you know, anything like that. 
while he was in my bedroom and there was a barrier in the way, but he could see Onyx, but he had a lot of distance mm -hmm. and Onyx was in the living room with me. She could work on a puzzle, snuffle mat, um, or we would do some training, like the engage, disengage, and just relaxing. You see him, good girl, just kind of calmly talking to her. Mm -hmm. If she went into, ooh, I'm, what is that thing over there? I'm getting more intense about it because now I know cats are cool, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. then uh, I would have to try to redirect her as best as I can. And so it was good. And after about a week of that, I would have Onyx in, in I don't think I had Jack. He, he, I actually crate trained him. So he's crate trained. <laughs> but, so I would have him in a crate and the same thing. But in the bedroom, Onyx could be walking around, sniff his crate. He never showed that he was worried about her or anything after about a week mm. when we were doing short and sweet little sessions. And so, I mean, at that point, I had seen Onyx, how Onyx could be around the other cat, how she self-handicapped and how she was comfortable. And she would cuddle with that cat, you know. Mm -hmm. So I let Jack out to walk around. She would interested in him a little bit. He was interested in her. I think the first time they met, he saw her and he jumped on her leg and then he ran away. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of little kitten, little kitten things. Surprise! Yeah. Was he annoying? I think sometimes he was because he wanted to cuddle with her, but sometimes she didn't want it. And so she was, she's a great communicator. And so she would growl a little bit at him and go, you know, kind of get out of my space. He would not catch the vibe. You know, he's like, huh? what? I don't get it. I don't know. I'm here. And so she would kind of escalate a little bit. And so if he still didn't move, I would move him or her, you know, mm -hmm. like, all right, dude, come on. We, she wants some space. You don't understand. Let's move you. But the reason why I let her communicate a little bit more is because I, you know, I know how she communicates and she would escalate a little bit, but it wouldn't go any further than that. So the um, thing with him not listening to her during those, that's sometimes still a thing I would say he's almost a year and they're great buddies but sometimes she does want space and he still kind of sits there like I don't get it I don't understand <laughs> so I move him uh still for her yeah yeah the thing that's really important that people miss is like they're when you're at the point where like you're not seeing really intense behaviors yeah. <laughs> when you're when they're kind of like tiptoeing around each other if you don't let them practice some of these low level communication mm -hmm. behaviors of like, I need space, mm -hmm. then, and then reinforcing the other animal for moving away. They are not going to learn how to resolve those conflicts on their exactly. own. Exactly. Yep. If you prevent everything from happening, <laughs> then you're going to have to be interfering with them long term. All the time. So you have to kind of strike that balance of like, yeah, let them communicate with each other. And then your job is to basically translate for the other animal. If they're not naturally moving away, you recall them, you cue them and then reinforce. Right. right. Hopefully it becomes a cue transfer. Yes. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. That would be awesome. You know? And so sometimes I did teach him his name. He's got really great name recognition. So if now we're at the point at that, right, where she starts to growl, I can say Jack and he comes. And so, or, you know, he kind of walks over to me and then I try to go run to the kitchen, get him a little salmon treat. So we're at that point now, which is nice, but you know, it does come, like you're saying, it comes with training the dog. It's okay to communicate, but giving the cat 
also alternative behaviors to do to help them a mm-hmm. little bit um, yeah. instead of you having to always get in there or even worse, punishing the dog for communicating or something, or even punishing the cat for communicating, you know, yeah. those things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want them to feel like they have to escalate to the point of actually defending themselves. Right. Very early signs of grumble grumble or whale eye or just like even quick like head turn is often a weight shift that could be something that the other animal can learn like that means mm, no thanks right yeah 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 i you know he might be picking up on a little bit very subtly (laughs) she's a very vocal dog you know what i mean she goes straight to vocalizing uh she's kind of she kind of does all of that plus vocalizing together like this Mm -hmm. right and he's like yeah. And I'm like, come on, Jack. She says move. <laughs> She's saying move. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you know, look, this is not an overnight thing. Oh, no, no. It's a lifelong thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Constantly learning and trying to get through it, trying to live together, understand cat language, dog language, and what I'm trying to teach them, you know what I mean? All yeah. of it all together. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we have Jack and Onyx are learning things together and everything's kind of working out well you're on your way and then miss tiki shows up right yeah oh yeah she shows up like not that long ago out of the blue yeah and then she screwed everything up like what happened so she came way out of the blue i manifested it on accident you know what i mean but (laughs) she's a blessing in disguise so her being so small she's a chihuahua when i got her she was only three pounds And by that time, Jack was seven pounds. So he's a small cat. He's a small cat. With that, I wasn't too worried about doing all of the management and safety aspect of everything, of introducing. I was like, well, she's a tiny nine-week-old puppy. And Jack is bigger than her. And Jack is really chill with dogs. Jack has also met the 127-pound Anatolian (laughs) mix as well. So, And they get along well. So I was like, you know what? we're gonna let's just see how they would just naturally interact because this is a good setup for them right now how they are and obviously the sooner the better because she's baby she's in her prime socialization period so mm-hmm. I got them together she was hilarious little firecracker chihuahua you know just running all over the place and Jack was kind of like that's an interesting little thing he was very curious about her and so he would kind of, different than the dogs he's met. Yeah. Oh, very different. Very. Different. <laughs> so he would walk up to her and sit there. She was kind of, she was super vocal. So she would run in circles, bark, 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 run in circles, run around the room, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I wasn't worried um, about them. Just, I, I just wanted to see how they would continue, you know, going forward. Cause I was like, that was like the first couple of days. Um, Jack actually initiated play with her first so he grabbed her and like RKO'd her, you know what I mean? Where he just throws her around and she loved it. She played right back with him. They would wrestle. They take play breaks. They would go away from each other. They come back. They would groom each other. I have so many videos of that. If you ever want to see those or we can post them or, you know, whatever we want to do with those. Yeah, they are two peas in a pod. Um, the only thing that kind of stirred up every all the stuff is she tiki is still learning when to kind of simmer down you know he's more of i'm gonna jump and go on the cat tree or i need an escape route or my tunnel 
things like that so he can get away from her as a way to be like hey you know i don't really want to play right now and as she's hitting her she's about let's see five months old right now so mm-hmm. on the cusp of adolescence fun fun she is getting more intense with play and so what's happening now is she's not stopping she has great name recognition we've worked on that a lot and a, a leave it cue as well so we've worked on redirecting her a lot when he starts to say hey i'm done tiki and she comes running over give her a little treat or leave it give her a little treat you know anything like that recall you know all of those things she's really good with that but it is she's just trying to learn when do i stop i don't know when to stop i don't have an off button this kind of stuff but the thing that's coming into play as well with that is onyx onyx picks up on the energy change that she's getting more intense and so onyx will kind of join in a little bit there and so now it's also onyx's name recognition also onyx's recall so onyx's leave it but what i've done really that's helping both of them is I leave they're both very mouthy dogs Onyx and Tiki and so I leave a lot of toys out so that way when I'm teaching them if you get more intense I can say leave it and you can come grab a toy right put that in your mouth and then you can go play with Jack right if he wants to play that way you can't be all too mouthy with him you know or too intense and he'll kind of stick around a little bit for that but it actually gives them something to do they just take that energy into their into their mouth and then Put it onto a toy, which works really nicely. Um, and Onyx has actually started to pick up on the cue. If they get too intense, where's your toy? Without me having to say anything. So that's mm-hmm. been really helpful. She's been doing that for the past maybe month and a half now. Because I've only had Tiki since March. So she's been picking that up really well, which is good. And Tiki has yet to really pick that up. <laughs> she's still learning. <laughs> but she's on her way. She's on her way. She's really good with when I call her name and she kind of stops. She's like, oh, all right, whatever. Leave him alone, you know. But so that's good. It, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, with the play. No. So is Onyx trying to like be the fun police? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, stop it, Tiki. Big time fun police. Stop. She will go up to both of them and nudge both of them with her muzzle and just shove them away. Sometimes she picks on one more than the other. I've seen that. And so she is fun police. And so, but now she's, she's learning. Oh, okay. I can kind of be with them and be fun police if I have a toy in my mouth. And then like, mm-hmm. okay, sure, you know, you can all wreak havoc in the house, right? Just have something in your mouth. So that way, not one of the animals is <laughs> getting into your mouth in a little bit, you know, it's more of the, I'm going to muzzle shove you a little bit and get in between you guys. So yes, definitely mm-hmm. fun police there. And it's just kind of in her nature, I would say. She's always been like that. Always been fun police. Yeah, always. <laughs> I'll you, I mean, Jack probably appreciates it to a certain extent if Tiki's getting too oh, intense. Yeah, she, it does help. Yeah, it's kind of like she gets there faster than I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so I'm like, cool. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. But yes, sometimes, it depends. It's like sometimes I'll let it happen because then Jack and Tiki will separate because of Onyx and other times I have to just watch it because uh, if Onyx gets too fun police e right? If that's the word, then I'm like, okay, let's get your toy. Come on, get your toy. Let's do that. I will say surprisingly too, when I'm not around, they're all just sleeping all the time, of course, right? Where they are not even playing with each other. I've seen on the cameras, all three of them are cuddling on the couch behind me. They're just all touching all cuddling for hours and hours and hours. And it can even be on my off days. Like when I'm home, you know, and it's not those witching hour crepuscular times when I'm home, 
they are doing all of this, right? Rambunctiousness. Then they take breaks or I give them breaks and kind of help them settle down. But whenever I'm gone, they're just all cuddling on the couch (laughs) together. No fun policing, no wrestling, none of that. So it's pretty interesting. How does that make you feel? I'm like, am I, am I it? Am I the problem? Am I the problem? (laughs) Am I the problem? Yeah. Am I the drama? Right. I was going to say there's that TikTok, right? Yes. Am I the drama? Yeah. I felt that way sometimes where I'm like, is it me? And you know, I don't rally them up or anything. I just sit here, you know, it's just my presence, I guess. So it's really funny. My friend, the one with the Anatolian and the other cat, she has said when Onyx and Jack are over there without me, they all just chill as well. But when I come over, they all start. And it's really funny. You know, so I guess I am the drama. I'm okay with that. So, I mean, I have a theory. Okay. Uh, this is not universal at all. But because I have seen this occasionally. Mm-hmm. And my theory is that because we are offering reinforcement as redirection from these behaviors, we are because we're not dealing with fear or anything, we're accidentally creating these like little behavior chains where you are the cue that reinforcement is potentially available, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so (laughs) it's this catch-22 where like, if you had always just ignored them and you you were not relevant, right, then your presence or not presence probably wouldn't make that much of a difference. But because you are the one who basically signals all like lots of fun because you train like, just outside of them right you train right you're you're so you're trying to elicit behavior right. from them so when you're around they're probably going to offer more behavior oh, yes. including some of the behaviors that we have unintentionally reinforced a little bit right as like a Which, kind of thing yeah exactly yep. there's nothing inherently wrong with that i don't think but i do think that not even to say like if you used punishment a lot it would be the opposite right it's more just like the difference between being really fun and like the opportunity for fun and neutral oh yeah so like there's people i have clients who say like you know the one the one who is doing all the training who is you know playing games and all that stuff there's there's one part of the couple who's that person and then the other one is like the one that puts the food in the bowl or like that's it Mm -hmm. right and they just like sit on the couch and the animals happen to be there right like all of the acting up happens when the fun person is around. Right. Totally. I totally agree with this. Yes. And I've seen it with my own clients as well. It's so true. You know, and I'm like, I am that person. I'm the one who interacts with these animals, who teaches them things, who brings the reinforcement and the fun, you know what I mean? And goes out with them in the world too, you know, and they have all those experiences and all of that. Yeah. So I totally, totally agree with that. And it's not, yeah, like you said, it's not a bad thing at all. It's just, they might get more hype or whatever it is, right? When I'm around, which, you know, then we just try to redirect or try to relax even, right? I try to do that too, where I'm like, all right, instead of me redirecting, I can relax them, you know? And so we do that. Right. So that's where I think I sent it to you, or maybe um, when we all do the group stays together. Mm-hmm. So that way it's like, okay, instead of craziness, chaos, let's hang out. Just let's hang out together. And I will give you reinforcement for holding the position. Let's just chill. You know, let's just hang out. Tiki and Onyx are in a down, Onyx on a hip roll, Tiki's learning. <laughs> and then Jack. I was going to say, what are you working on with Tiki to actively reinforce relaxation? Because yes. it's difficult at her age and for a chi. So she would offer her down on her own. It was more like a play bow. And mm-hmm. then I would try to just capture the down because 
luring her into position. She's really strange about luring. She's like, whoa, I don't get it. What put that, you know, kind of sporadic Chihuahua energy. Mm-hmm. And so capturing the down a lot. And then we progressed on to, she's, she loves this. It's like this giant pillow. It's a huge pillow um, that goes on the back of my couch. So I put it on the floor and she, she offers a lot of behaviors, which is really great. And so she will just hang out on there. And so I just started capturing her hanging out on there, you know, repeatedly reinforcing that over and over. She is doing that a lot more where she'll just hang out on that little area. And so when we actually in the video that I took, but when we do the group stays, I have her hang out on that instead Mm -hmm. of hanging out in a, in a down on the floor because she gets up very quickly. She's young. She's got, you know, all this firecracker energy in her. So positioning her on a target helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And so she, and she loves doing it. So that's how I've found what works best with her. Onyx, we did a lot of mat relaxation. So she has her mat, but usually she is fine with being on the cold floor. She likes the cold floor a lot better than a target sometimes. You live in Texas, so yeah, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> she's like, no, so I want cold floor. And then Jack, he just he loves his little sit position. He sits all the time. He's like, okay, sit right here. And so mm-hmm. yeah, we do that. We do do that. Probably I would say our routine, we probably just about three minutes of doing a group stay together every night just to kind of bring it down a little bit before bedtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm teaching cats relaxation, people are always like, well, I always have the dogs lay down, but you know, they're like, do I have to have the cat lay down? And I'm like, the cat's going to tell you if they're more comfortable, like if just with their, their four paws, just all like yeah. bunched together <laughs> sitting, like that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. He rarely, he'll go into a, he'll lay, he'll lay on the windowsill looking out the window, but a lot of the times he's just sitting and he's comfortable and I'm like, that's fine. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever their default position is like out in the world. Right. I Okay. I should say, I don't always have the dogs lay down if there's some kind of like obvious reason why they shouldn't yeah <laughs> always and never are not good words to use right but. right right make adjustments modifications as needed right. yeah right so it sounds like you're well on your way to having a coexisting three animal household so congratulations Thank you. i love all of the things that you've been working on if you were to give advice to anyone who was in your situation adding a new animal. Do you have anything that you would tell them to think about or do? Yes, I would definitely think about, I mean, first, are you able to meet your own first animal's needs? You know, the one that you have currently, right? Because if you can't really do that and your dog is not being physically or mentally enriched in their lives and you're meeting that animal's needs, whatever it is, you know, for her, she, Onyx is a very active dog. And so that's why we do these very long decompression walks in the morning. We mix in training to get her brain going. She has puzzles every meal. You know, she gets out of some kind of puzzle or has to work for somehow, right? Give or take, you know, some days where I'm like, all right, you know, you'll get a break from that, right? But I just, so she's got mental enrichment all the time and, or is shredding and ripping stuff, but meeting your own animals needs first, I would say make sure you can do that before you're going to add in another one. Because once you add in a second one, you know, you still need to keep up the first ones, but now you're adding in more that you need to do, right? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is if those animals, if they're missing needs, they're going to find their own ways to get those needs met, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So, or they're going to get 
frustrated and we don't want to take we don't want their frustrations to go out into the other animal if that's the case so we need them to be their needs met i would say that's the number one thing first and then second sometimes it is just you know accepting that your dog is a dog and that your cat is a cat and they might not always get along you know in the way that you originally thought you know i thought that at the beginning i was like well you know if this is she's a german shepherd who's got hurting instincts you know what i mean and he's a cat who might be scared of her he might hide and do all this kind of stuff and you can just you could do your best you might want to hire a professional certified professional dog trainer to help you with that using humane methods so they can have as many positive associations as possible and sometimes doing that i would say that's a great idea because we miss and even me before i became a dog trainer we miss a lot of the excellent behaviors our dogs are doing and they go unreinforced because just because we don't see it we just don't have the observational skills yet but Mm -hmm. with a certified professional they can teach you that and then that might really change the house you know might change the house big time so those are my two big things maybe the third thing is definitely just keep it short and sweet at the beginning and go slow and steady short and sweet slow and steady and just kind of go at the dog and cat's pace both of them because they they both might have different paces Mm -hmm. that's something to to consider yeah and for the people who have dogs like onyx where they know that the dog has prey drive mm-hmm. and they're like, uh, <laughs> uh, is this a good idea to get a cat? You know, what should they be working on with their dog to prepare for the arrival of a prey animal into their home? Yes. If they have a dog like Onyx and they've got prey drive, I, you know, how I first started it, because you might not always have access to a a cat friend, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. is it the safest thing for you to do without a professional? You know, that's the other thing to to think about. But I would just take note in my head first, what, how big is this prey driver? How big is this reactivity? How intense is it when she does see a cat? You know, take Mm -hmm. that into consideration and then learn about what you can do to help decrease that intensity. You know what I mean? Uh, humanely, right? In a positive way. Because what you want is positive associations between that animal if you're going to get a cat, right? You don't want them to feel scared around the cat or feel pain around the cat or anything like that. Because then when you bring one into your home, there's probably associations there. So um, I think that's super important is if you don't have access to a cat friend, look at how your dog reacts when they see a cat out in the world. You know what I mean? And take note how intense, but working on I love teaching them multiple behaviors, sit down, chill out, relax, using lots of high value foods. But the biggest game changer that I think somebody can learn too is when or how to play engage, disengage, right? How to play that effectively. And when is a good time to give your dog distance from the cat or or when it's a good time to take a break. Always ending it on a good note as much as you can. So that way you're like, oh, okay, that was a fun session, right? I'm not stressed out and the session's over, but of course, you know, things happen. So I would say if they get with a professional to teach them all of these things, if they're, if they're stuck with a very high prey drive dog and um, that professional might say, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to bring a cat into your home and that's okay. You know, people don't need to feel bad about that. Their dog is a dog, you know, except, except the genetics that are there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, For sure. So if anyone is listening to you and they're like, 
She's really cool. I'm in the Houston area. <laughs> what is the best way to for them to get in touch with you or to maybe ask questions about some of the stuff you've said today? Sure. Yeah. So they can always... So I work at Believe in Dog Training full-time. Um, I'm the training manager there. So if they want to, they can get in contact with Believe in Dog and either phone number, email, totally fine. It's all on our website. Or if they want to shoot me a message directly on Instagram, that's a great way to reach me. Just it, the handle, just train underscore dogs. So either one of those two ways, if they need help, um, we can do lessons at Believe in Dog, or I can try to help them uh, through Instagram a little bit, you know, see what's going on, help them just very briefly. But I don't always love doing that because it's not a full session. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like, I don't want to just give you random advice without seeing what's happening. Uh-huh. But if they decide to go through Believe in Dog and do lessons, we can help there like that. Um, so that's something as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Instagram training is more, or at least for me, I usually ask a bunch of questions to basically say, okay, this is the direction you need to go in for further training. Right. Yes. Because it's more of like a casual intake rather than like a <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you what to do because it's not you know yeah it's different it's like it's like if you were going to like a fitness coach and you were like hey I want to lose weight or I want to get fit or whatever I think you know they would have to consult with you in person talk about mm-hmm. lots and lots of things and break it all down to help you you know and it's kind of the yeah. same with dog training exactly so thank you so much for coming on the show I know everyone's going to love this conversation Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, please subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. I'd also love it if you would take a few minutes to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts because your support helps other people find this show and get access to cat and dog specific content. And if you're a pet professional who's looking for another set of eyes on any of your tough cat and dog cases... I would love to help you strategize and troubleshoot your training plans. You can go to praiseworthypets.com slash services dash four dash pet dash pros, P-R-O-S to book a session with me. And the link is also in the show notes. And that is all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. See you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs.